This episode of Open Mind is brought to you in association with very.co.uk. We should all take time out to pamper ourselves. After all, if you feel good, you look good. So why not check out Very's beauty treats? Start a new cleansing resolution, revitalise your hair or hydrate and detox. It's time to live well, sleep well, eat well and spend well at very.co.uk. So today I've got the pleasure of having Anita Rani in to talk to me today. Um, she's an amazing broadcaster, a fellow Strictly family member, and a fearless sport relief challenge survivor. Yes. Because you did Kilimanjaro? I did uh, in February last year with oh, such an amazing gang of people. One of the most incredible things I've ever done. Hard, mm. tough, 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 super tough. Well, they're supposed to be, aren't they? But survived. I have to say that's one that I um, would not like to do. I think you'd have been brilliant. Why it's, not? Why wouldn't you like to do it? It's the um, the altitude thing freaks me out because you just don't, you can't really prepare for it, can you? And you don't know how you're going to react to it. No, exactly. And I was like this foolish person who was like, well, I kind of put myself out there as someone who's up for a challenge. I love climbing mountains. I like being All in right. the outdoors. You know, you kind do. Of, <laughs> a little bit. So I'm not going to pretend that I'd never like slept in a tent or anything obviously I've never done anything like Kilimanjaro but I got it I got it on sort of day two right and it is terrifying absolutely terrifying when you get altitude sickness but there are pills that you can take and the funny thing is is they told us that you can take these pills before you climb and just be prepared um but it's entirely up to you we cannot tell you which way you should do it you should either you know take your own advice we can't make you take the drugs it's entirely up to you and I was like I'm not going to take the drugs I'm not going to get altitude sickness I'm going to be fine I'm fearless da, da, da. Date the first person to get oh, altitude no. I was like give me the drugs give me all the drugs did they work because I think I remember because I just did the Himalayas and I didn't need them but I spoke to my GP about them and she was like sometimes they can make it worse so it is a bit of like a 50 50 of they Whether you take them first or not. Well, they worked for me, but the funny thing was, one of the side effects of taking them is that you need to pee through the night, so you take them before going to sleep. Well, welcome to my world, Anita. <laughs> That's literally how I live my life. <laughs> Up and down like a yeah, yeah. yeah. Except you don't sleep on the side of a mountain in a tent. No. Oh, yeah, this is true. <laughs> so you're yeah, terrified. But it was... It was actually all right. We got over it. I did it. It's amazing what, what you can achieve when you put your mind to it. Yeah. Know? Anita, I read your really heartfelt piece in Red Magazine where you decided to share your story about miscarriage. What made you feel like you wanted to do that? Why now? Well, it's kind of the most public I've been about something so personal. Like I've done lots of TV shows and people know aspects of me, but this is the first time I've ever shared something so truly intimate, you know, that I would never normally put out in public. But Red Magazine, the wonderful Red Magazine, mm. got in touch, um, one of their editors, Natasha, and said, look, we'd like you to write a column for our January issue, um, just reflecting on 2019 and giving our readers, you know, some inspiration. And so I sat down and thought, okay, I started to write something that was just very like, yay, you know, my 2019, like mm. I normally would, you know, yay, I did this and I did that and I climbed Kilimanjaro and I went here. And I thought, this is not what I want to write. This is not true to my 2019. And it was actually because of the journalists that got in touch and because it was Red Magazine that I thought this is a really safe space to share something quite meaningful. And maybe it's because of the time of my life that I'm in. I just feel like I can't be bothered to say things that aren't meaningful anymore. Mm. You know, just 
it's too it's more exhausting you know just kind of giving people surface crap than it is actually just being honest and mm. and so I sat down to write this article it was meant to be half the length it was and like just you know it just came out and it came out just pretty much as it is it's not really edited and um yeah and they said we want to put the whole thing out there and I sent it to a friend of mine who also had been through a miscarriage and she just said it, it's she said it was it really helped her and it was amazing to read it and the reaction's been huge. Mm, have you heard from a lot of people? Loads, 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 loads. It's one of those things that nobody talks about, and yet it's so common. Yeah, it's so. It's I've um, I've I've not suffered from miscarriage, but a lot of friends and my sister included have, and it seems to be this big, dark secret that you're not really supposed to talk about, and um, that's always blown my mind because I'm like, surely, you need people around you to kind of know what you're going through what makes it so hard do you think to talk about I don't know it's just not it's be it's like you say it's this thing that nobody talks about it's a taboo isn't it mm. you know miscarriage it's because I guess it's just not out there is it but there's no sort of conversations taking place there's no one in the public eye talking about it and I guess when you go through it you just feel it's almost like everyone's sort of been through it so you're just meant to get on with it yeah right? oh it's normal because I, I don't know about you but I've had friends that when they go to the doctors they're really blase about it they're like oh yeah you're having a miscarriage just go wait there and or go home and like there's no sensitivity around it like I know there's not much they can do but it's they're really dismissive of it I think I mean I have to say that um actually post me going through it when I went to the doctors a few times because I started feeling my psychology changed a little mm. bit afterwards. And the, I guess that's what I write, talk about in the article um, about the impact of it. Like I, I'm i just like, I basically thought I can deal with this. Actually, I am the first person to put my hands up and say, I just thought, oh, it's not a big deal. Uh, and I'll just, I'll do In fact, what happened was I thought I'll just deal with it at Christmas. And that's so nuts that you were just like, oh, so this is happening now, but let's just ignore it I'll now. Throw it forward. And, yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, my psychology is so weird. I just, I actually just thought I've got too much work to get through, um, too much on. Um, okay. My body, and I'm, there was, don't get me wrong, there was a couple of really, obviously, when it was happening, it was traumatic. And, you know, it was really important that it, and it was me, it was only me and my husband that went through it together. I hadn't mm -hmm. shared it really with my family. Um, I told my mum about it afterwards. And maybe, you know, even that, even that seems strange that I just didn't, we just didn't share it with anyone. Um, but yeah, my, my brain just thought, it's okay. I'm so busy. I haven't got time to deal with this, but I'll think about it at Christmas. And Christmas came and went and I kind of, I've relaxed, but really didn't spend time thinking about it. And the year after, so, you know, come January, just threw myself back into work. In fact, I was climbing Kilimanjaro and I had this panic attack. So I got the altitude sickness. Hmm. And then was just sobbing, sobbing like like I've never cried before. And, you know, altitude does make you kind of cry, but it was sort of out of control. And, uh, and have you ever experienced a panic attack before? No, not since last like last year after the miscarriage was the first time. Right. Like, they're horrendous. Yeah. It must have really frightened you if it's something you've not experienced before. So well, I'd had one before I'd been up Kilimanjaro and that, yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. Like I'd, I'd never knew what they were and I don't think you can know what they are no. unless you've been through one or you genuinely believe that you're going to die mm. it is the strangest bizarrest thing and what it's made me do Frankie it's like really 
think about my mental health in a way that I've never, ever considered before. I just genuinely one of those women who thought, I got this. Yeah. I got this and I'll be fine. Just and keep moving. Keep moving. It's all right. You know what? You know, I'll deal with it. It's fine. And don't don't cry that often. But it's like, no, it, this stuff will come back and bite you. And it'll come in a way that you don't even expect it. To, it just turns up. And yeah. do you think, because you mentioned the British stiff upper lip um, in your article, and, and I often talk about that as well, you know, this this thing of just brushing things under the carpet and, oh, everything's fine. Do you think that was a big part of why you didn't feel like you could talk about it? Yeah, massive. i tell you what I talk about in the article, the double whammy of the British stiff, stiff upper lip and the South Asian capacity for never talking about anything. There is so much shame that I've been, like, not just my immediate family, just the culture that I've been brought up in, my mm. Indian community, where we just don't talk about anything. Nothing, nothing, nothing is spoken about. And why? Because you use the word shame, and I don't understand that. Like, why would talking about a miscarriage bring shame? Well, yeah, I don't understand it either. No. Because everything to do with women is so personal, and women are the sort of protectors of everything to do with a family. And so as a woman, this is this is something that I am now actively changing mm -hmm. in my own life and breaking those taboos. It's Things are changing, I must say, Frankie. There's a younger generation than me who are brilliantly outspoken. I think this is when social media is at its best, when there are communities coming up and young women, particularly South Asian women, are able to talk to each other about issues and sexuality and mental health and and there are now great role models in the public eye. But certainly for me growing up, there was none of that. And I just saw my aunties and, you know, my mum's generation just have to suck everything up. And anything, nothing. they just basically, their job was to get married and do whatever it took to keep the family unit together. And mm -hmm. never, ever, ever air your dirty laundry in public. And, yeah, it's just impossible. So you just see all these women who just have to get on with everything. So nothing is spoken about. Yeah. Um, and is it only since talking about your miscarriage that you've really noticed this and made this your mission? Or were you already a little bit like that? I mean, I've already... A few things happened. I made a documentary about my family history. I made called Who, well, Who Do You Think You Are? It's mm. an amazing programme. And I learnt... It's a really traumatic piece of history. Um, the partition of India when after the British left India, India, they created Pakistan and India and what later became Bangladesh. So literally put a line through a map and divided these countries and overnight chaos erupted and a million people died, 15 million people were displaced, wow. but, but women really suffered during that. And women were, oh, this is really kind of dark bit of history, but, you know, I've talked about it loads. And, I mean, I'm, you know, there are programs out there about it. But in my own family, like, women died and women were either abducted and murdered or members of their own family were killing their daughters because they didn't want them to be killed by anybody else. Oh. It's really yeah. dark, okay. Yeah. I sort of, I feel like I mean to apologise for sharing something so dark and sinister, but it's also history and it's there. Oh, it's, yeah, it's truth. It's... And it made me realise that was only 70 years ago and that is like, that's the choice women had. Like my own kind of grandmother's generation, that was it. They had so little say over their own lives that men were deciding that they were going to, you know, end their lives for them. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, this is horrendous. And I rec- recognize I'm the first person in a long line of women in my own family to actually have a choice about my life. I moved to London, you know, decided I wanted to have a career in television. <sighs> Shock horror, married the man I wanted to. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I guess, you know, when there are um, lots of women reach out to me via social media or especially just walking down the street, if I see like an Indian family, they'll come up to me and give me a hug and say, you're making us feel really proud, like absolute strangers. Mm. And so recently it's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to use my platform and my voice for good and actually use it for young women because I hate the thought of young women feeling that they can't, you know, Mm. do what they want to do. And how has that gone down within your family then? Were you nervous to do that? Um, So I guess even choosing to go into TV, that's quite a public place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really lucky because my mum and dad are really encouraging. I think that is like the biggest gift I got. I got Mm -hmm. a mother who always said to me, you can be whatever you want to be. Just work really hard. Don't get me wrong. I was still a rebellious teenager. Right. And there's lots (laughs) of stuff I had to kind of battle because at the same time, I was kind of breaking with tradition quite a lot and quite rapidly. Um, You know, my mum grew up in India and she's a real girly girl and she had this like rebellious grungy teenage daughter she was like what do you mean what do I do with you yeah she had literally no idea no idea um but they're amazing they're amazing and actually my mum was super proud that I wrote the article Hmm. and she said you know the amount of women that you're helping by talking about it is brilliant so there was none of I feel it's funny because you kind of carry this weight around with you you're thinking oh I can't possibly talk about something I can't possibly talk about it and then once you do it it's like oh right okay I actually feel really good about that yeah. I say that there is a, you know, who knew that vulnerability could be so empowering and, you know, actually allowing people to see a side of me that, you know, sometimes you don't even allow yourself to see. Actually, I feel quite good about it. Very strong. Is that quite a new thing for you then to be vulnerable? Yes. Yeah. Why do you think you haven't been able to be that way before? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm just, I think I've just always been quite a tough cookie. I'm the eldest in my family. It's only me and my brother. I don't know. I just, I guess because I saw so much vulnerability behind closed doors, mm-hmm. I just thought I'm not going to be a victim and I'm just going to get up and stand on my own two feet. And I, I just don't, I've always been the fixer. I've always fixed everybody else. And so there's no space for you to be vulnerable in that. But it's all right. I'm dealing with that now. I'm like, everybody, I fixed you all. Now I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to just, I'm just going to let myself unravel a little bit. Okay. <laughs> it's amazing how you take on Um, because from such a young age I was always the same like I always took on everybody else's problems I felt like that was my responsibility to look after people and I think as you get older you realize that's almost impossible you can't do that for everyone you can't and you can be there for people but and also just don't neglect yourself Mm. I feel like I've massively neglected myself don't you think if you're the fixer you can yeah and it's almost like you're fixing because it distracts you from having to think about what's going on with you well, I was going to say because you talk about how you leave this really fast-paced life and you know with work you're always so busy do you feel like a part of that is a little bit of avoidance or do you just feel like it's a big part of you I mean I'm definitely one of life's doers right so I love to be active all the time and there is a running joke with my husband and his family that I don't relax but I'm always like relaxing is like you know it's all relative <laughs> I like to run that's my relaxation um but I guess, you know, you've got, you know what it's like. If you're kind of, you've got, if you're building a career 
And certainly for me, I left Bradford, I left West Yorkshire, moved to London, and I absolutely loved living in London. And I loved the energy and I loved the pace of life, and I still do. And you have to kind of be on the treadmill a little bit, kind of make carve a career in an industry where it's just, you know, there's no set like ladder, there's no trajectory. This is what you have to do to get here. You've just got to make it work for yourself. So you've got to be quite proactive. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm again. I'm deflecting from your question, aren't I? Have I, <laughs> have I done it? Do I do it so I don't have to think about myself? Maybe You're a like, little don't bit. Don't make me go there. I, I know exactly. Um, yes and no. I mean, yeah, but you've got to do it in your own time, haven't you? You've got mm. to kind of. Um, yes, I, I mean, I didn't feel like I was distracted, like not yeah. thinking about myself. I was just getting on with life. But I guess it's because. You know, what happened after the miscarriage was I went to the doctor because I thought I was ill. Mm. I thought I was genuinely sick. And I was going, I was like, I need blood tests. I feel dizzy all the time. And they were like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. And actually, you know, you talk, going back to talking about the NHS, the, my brilliant GP actually did say, maybe you should go and speak to somebody because mm. you have been through something quite traumatic. And have you actually dealt with this? And have you spoken to anyone about it? And that was actually the advice I got from my doctor so and did you yes I did and mm -hmm. that has changed my life really yeah and is that something you'd never done before never 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 and it and I was the first person to go oh therapy come on I'm not like some Hollywood actress who like I don't live in LA like everyone in LA has a therapist mm. uh you know I'm from Yorkshire just pull up my socks and I can get on with it um but actually you know there is really good help out there. And if you find the right person to talk to, it's really therapeutic. Hmm. This episode of Open Mind is brought to you in association with very.co.uk. At Very, you'll find an impressive range of beauty treatments by all your favourite brands, like Hydrogel Cream, Lip Repair Balm and Night Serums by Elizabeth Arden, cleansing balms, exfoliators and gel masks by Elemis and eye creams, detox kits and nourishing scrubs by L'Oreal. It's time to live well, sleep well, eat well and spend well at very.co.uk. Do you feel like other people have come up to you and spoken to you about their stories or friends that have gone through a miscarriage of now that you never knew had gone through it absolutely like so many so many women and men I have to say mm. like it's really hard for men because they are grieving just as much they've gone through something I, and so I think it's we have to be really mindful of the you know the, the man's experience in all of this but so many women um via social media and and just friends and friends and friends and so many people have been through it it's really good that now the NHS is actually saying that we need to provide women with help because it is a bereavement. And I sort of feel like if this was an issue that men had to deal with, there would be so much more help out there. Mm. Do, you under, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If men went through miscarriages, it might. I think we just as a women, we kind of just get on with stuff and we're made to feel that we just have to get on with it. But, it, um, you know, it's definitely something that needs to be processed and takes time. And now that you're more more, and now that you're more aware of your mental health, do you feel like you're doing anything differently since, or do you think you've just slipped back into your old? 
No, habits. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, old habits die hard, don't they? But <laughs> I am doing things differently for sure, for sure. Okay, so for the first time, I've started doing things just for me. And it sounds very indulgent, but it's really important, everybody, that you do stuff just for you. So I go away traveling for work all the time. That, and I'm, I love my job. I'm really lucky. My job is my passion. And I'm very privileged to be able to say that. Um, and then I come home and I've got a really, really, really good network of friends and family. When my doors are closed, you know, my friends, some of my oldest friends are still my friends to this day. But in between all of that, you need to just have a bit of time for you as well. So I I went on a, a weekend long women's only yoga retreat. Really? Right. That might sound a bit... Actually, no, you know what? People listening to this podcast will probably be into that. I'm yeah. Say that. <laughs> so do you do yoga generally? I do. Anyway. I love yoga. Right. I'm one okay. of those annoying people who does like to exercise. Do you like to exercise? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do it because I have do, to. You do it though. I feel better afterwards, but I still don't enjoy it. Like I know mentally and physically I'll feel good afterwards, but like through that hour I am literally counting down the time and I'm so envious of people like you that genuinely like it I like it I do like it I like it I like it like even yoga I've started doing hot yoga that first 10 minutes I'm like why am I here this is disgusting and horrendous and then all of a sudden time goes really fast and I've done an hour um but yeah I keep waiting for that like love for it to come did you exercise when you were a kid you're, I've just you're always dance, danced. You're a dancer, yeah. yeah so, so you love dancing, I've always right? been active, yeah. yeah. Like Strictly was perfect because I was like fit. You were amazing. Thinking of Weren't it. you pregnant during Strictly? The, at the end, At yeah. the end. Yeah. That in itself is amazing. <laughs> That's mind-blowing. It's like the opposite of the Strictly curse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back off. Yeah. <laughs> She's preggers. Um, but that in itself is incredible. Mm. That says a lot about your mind anyway, that yeah. you can still go through something and get to the final. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you were pretty good yourself. It was, it was, it's tough. It's amazing. It's amazing. I'm so lucky I did it. But yeah, mm. hard, hard. We'll come hard. back to that. We'll come back Talk to that. Talk to me about this yoga retreat. So, so yoga I've been doing. Okay, so I'm the least bendy person on earth, right? So here's the thing about yoga. Don't feel you have to do it and be like super bendy. Mm. Yoga isn't about flexibility. Yoga is about, for me, it's about breathing and meditation. And it is the one space where when I get a good teacher and a good class, it just takes my mind off everything and I'm just in my body mm -hmm. and my breathing and I'm not actually even bothered about it changing my shape. It's just, it's really good strengthening and really good connecting with your body and all of that. So that's why I do it. Um, so I did a weekend yoga retreat in Suffolk and I did it because it was only a weekend and I mm. thought I can manage a weekend and it was with somebody I'd done some yoga with before and it was amazing. So how does that work? Do you just like how many hours of it? Do you oh, do so no, this was actually quite, um, it was pretty, it wasn't too hardcore. So I'm sure there are different levels of yoga retreats. This was really nice. There were people on the course who'd never done yoga before. Oh, okay. So it was a couple of classes of yoga a day, some meditation. We did a gong bath and a cacao ceremony and nature walks. And it was very, very nice. And the food was yummy and the place was beautiful and the women were, were gorgeous. And so we just, I just had this like, and I just put myself out there. I thought, why not? Let's just go. And I really, really enjoyed it. Really Is that quite it. an unusual thing for you to do for yeah. you then? Yeah, definitely. Sounds like a weekend is a big deal for you. Yeah, because I, I don't have time. So mm. to give a weekend up just to indulge myself was my, quite a big deal. But it was great. So more things like that. But it doesn't even have to be a weekend yoga retreat. I think you can, even if you just go for a nice little walk, 
Mm. You know, through the parks, give yourself half an hour, whatever time you've got. I appreciate not everybody has, if you're bringing up kids and stuff, you know, you need to be able to work it around your life. Mm. But yeah, going and looking at, I mean, London's great for free exhibitions and galleries, right? So I sometimes take myself off to go and go and look at some photographs. Do you? Yeah. But things like that are things that make you feel. Yeah bit more centered I suppose I don't know Frankie I'm still trying to work it out right but yeah I do think going to a gallery is really inspiring for me um and working out that's exercise yeah and I like I like cooking cooking's a really good therapy feeding people is good Mm -hmm. um you're a feeder (laughs) I am a feeder (laughs) but I really think looking after your mind body and spirit like all three is really important I think people are starting to realize that more and more now you know a lot of people are thinking about how food you know connects with the brain and it's mad that we're only just getting to that point of realizing that it's weird because I think the information's always been out there right like Mm. there's always these programs on tv and I'm like everyone I love watching them like what's the best diet how do we stay fit and healthy da 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 and 100% the ending is always the same a balanced diet, mm. regular exercise, and that's what it's all about. And I think if you do that, then it means that you can have treats and all the rest of it. But you need to have that information from when you were really young. Mm. I think it's really hard to train yourself later in life if you haven't. I was lucky. My mum always cooked. So I love cooking and I love good ingredients and fresh vegetables and we don't eat much meat and yeah, I'm really into that whole mind, body, and spirit. In fact, at Christmas, I went to an Ayurvedic retreat in India. Oh, wow. You've got to do this. So what? tell me what that is. Okay, so Ayurveda is an ancient Indian medicine, but it's more than a medicine. It's kind of a, a way of life. Right. Um, and it incorporates yoga. Yoga is part of Ayurveda. And Ayurveda is also massage and different ways of kind of like lots of oils and different massages. There's one massage which is amazing, very powerful, called Shirodhara, where they drop. Sounds like torch, but it's not, trust me. They drip <laughs> warm oil on, in, in, on your third eye in the middle of your forehead. Right. And it, you are, I was so blissed out. It was like... Would you, for how long? So I think they drip the oil for about 20 minutes to half an hour. But it's you, very quickly, you just kind of are transported into another world. And this is after a bit of a head massage. Okay. So you're already quite chilled anyway. Because yeah. I feel like if you went straight into that, you'd be a bit like, Oof, what's, what's going on? Yeah, especially <laughs> someone as frenetic as me. Where I'm like, what? What? You want me to lay down and do what? But it was amazing. So yeah, so yoga, massage, and then food. A really, really healthy delicious Indian vegetarian diet. What would you have told then your younger self? What do you wish you'd told yourself when you were younger? Do you know, it's funny because this question comes up a lot and I always say the same thing, which is my younger self was pretty fearless and she was, like 16-year-old Anita, 18-year-old Anita was pretty fearless because I just knew I wanted to go on and achieve stuff as, you know, as you were, little Frankie, you know, pop star and can you just you know there's something about you that is right I'm just going to go for it but I guess there was a lot of fear as well and a lot of just not feeling as good as everybody else you know Mm. somewhere deep in your pit just knowing and being like well I'm not as good as everyone else and that kind of holds you back it's just like tell her that she's she's all right and you still have those moments now yeah god yeah doesn't everyone yeah massive insecurity and really kind of get really kind of quite anxious about work, like doing a job that is so public facing. But there are techniques that you can learn to, you know, deal with that. 
phone your husband. And go, I was going to say, I'm what are your techniques? Freaking out, <laughs> calling him, going, I'm freaking out. He's like, you're all right. Um, preparation mm-hmm. is key. I'm one of those people who always says yes to everything. It's like, yeah, I'll do that. And then at the minute before I have to do it, I'm like, why did I say yes to this? I'm so mm. scared. Do you do that? Yeah, all the time. Was Strictly a big thing for you? Because was that quite outside of your comfort zone? A million trillion miles out of my comfort zone. Really? Because you seem to just take it on with such confidence. Uh, There was, I think I'd always loved the programme and I loved dancing, right? But I've never danced. I never went to stage school. Never, I never even had a tutu. I was deprived, (gasps) deprived child. (laughs) I was put into karate. Oh, uh, <laughs> same, yeah, same, same, same. <laughs> uh, not, and then, uh, and I always thought, if any, if I want to do any of those reality shows, it has to be Strictly because it is like the one where it's so supportive and the public are backing you, and it's glamorous and gorgeous, and you learn a new skill and all that sort mm. of stuff. So when it came knocking, but I remember like the first week watching Helen, beautiful goddess George, doing mm. a waltz and just going, "What the hell am I doing here?" Like people are amazing at this. And I'm like, I just felt like the runt of the litter. You were with Gleb, weren't you? Yes. yes. Leb Savchenko, the devastatingly handsome Russian. <laughs> I remember because I ended up doing your tour, didn't I? Yes. It wasn't on your year of Strictly, but I ended up doing your tour. And I remember being like, I don't get it. I don't get it with Gleb. I don't get it. He doesn't do it for me. And then I remember he come up and said hi to me in rehearsals. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I get it now. He's got a beautiful face. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard taskmaster. But yeah, I was going to say, really but strict. I reckon as a partner, yeah, not as... It was quite tough. Yeah. It was really tough. But you know, I, I'm just a hard worker. Mm-hmm. But his, his choreography was so out there. Yeah. It was really... I mean, I had some crazy moves. Like, I was just up, under, over, like, what the hell? And I look back at them and I think, what what was I doing? In fact, I'm still getting physio on my hamstring from... Really? Yeah. Yeah, see, I've got something that I pulled in my in my groin and my big toe. You don't big... know, big toe. I think it was from ballroom, just like <laughs> bent in places that had never been bent before. <laughs> it's so random. See, that is the actual curse of straight clothes. <laughs> yeah. The injuries. Yeah, the ones that you can't get rid of. Yeah. I think I, I actually did my groin on um, <laughs> on the tour. And there was like a lift where they like spun us round. And yeah, just ever since then. So if I'm in the gym, it just goes so easily. Exactly. So weird. Boo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pains of a sequin live. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but you get me. I totally get you. But yeah, I definitely think it boosted my confidence. Yeah. Absolutely. And it also showed a side of me that people had never seen before. I find people still come and... I was, I was on it 2014 and people still come and talk to me about it. And I found that I was a huge hit with like, 80-year-old women in Waitrose. Yes. That was my new niche. (laughs) (laughs) Who obviously would never have heard of the Saturdays. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but they love it. Yeah, exactly. But that's it. You want those people. That's the country file audience there. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're your people now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But same, 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 same. Like, And it was like women, like women going, you're doing it for the girls because we can see that you're really hardworking and you're not moaning. You're just kind of getting on with it and like you're really... And that was the best compliment I got from a woman who stopped me down Oxford Street really <laughs> randomly you are like I was gonna say this to you before like you're a real woman's woman aren't you you're I a big, so. big advocate for women yeah massive 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 why do you feel like that need to you know this from the tour as yes. well I think we've definitely talked about this on the tour um 
I just love, I feel, I don't know why. I think, I, no, I do know why, because I've thought about it a lot. I think it's because I was always really aware growing up that girls were treated differently. Mm -hmm. I always felt that the boys were getting away with stuff and that I had to work a bit. And I just could never understand the injustice of why girls had to do things a certain way and boys could get away with everything. And Do you I, feel like that more because you were part of the Asian, Asian. community? For or? sure, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Growing up, you know, that's what I felt. But then, you know, now in the being in the, the position I am, I just think I don't think it's about the Asian community at all. No. I think the world is like that. I think the w women are just held to a different standard. I think the way certain women we've seen it, the way the press has treated women, uh, you know, it's just it's just not the same and I think everybody needs to I, uh, you know the the I'm sure you know this, Frankie. The kind of nonsense that gets said about us on on social media, mm. and I'm kind of lucky in a way that I've got broad shoulders. But like even stuff when I started Country File, people would feel it was all right to message me and say, "But you're not, you know, you're not like Ellie Harris." Like comparing me and the only other female presenter on the show. It's right. like, what is this bullshit? Mm. You know. So I am absolutely a real advocate for sisterhood and women's solidarity and empowering young women including you and everybody else you know big sister big sister yeah. definitely and what would your advice be for those women or young women that feel like they're not being given the opportunities that they feel they deserve oh god take the like make make it happen like don't give up just don't give up and you're not alone and find if it's to do, I know it's different for different situations but if it's something happening in work find another woman that you can trust and who can be your mentor like there are some amazing like women are incredible and only we know the experience that we've been through right mm. so share share talk um you know find people that empower you and find yourself have, have a group of friends that empower mm. you and i think that is really important and just don't suffer alone mm. we were saying that weren't we before the podcast that our friends are our old friends from home like they've been for our friends for years and I feel, feel like that makes a big difference you don't need loads of friends yeah. you just need a handful of good ones yeah absolutely absolutely a handful of good ones and this is really important just don't live your life through social media hmm. like there is a it's just it's just a aspect of the world we live in but it's not real life it's not real life it's brilliant and I love social media and it's kind of opened up this whole new world for me. And I love, I'm an Instagram obsessive. Everybody knows I'm constantly, I'm the person in the middle of a country file shoot going, come on, let's take some pictures. This is amazing. Um, but but yeah, I kind of worry that, you know, it's kind of giving young women, young, young people a distorted view on life. Mm. Um, real life's far more interesting. And exciting. And exciting, yeah. And get out in nature. Nature, nature, nature. I think that is really healthy. Go and hug a tree, like actually hug a tree. Trees oh, are amazing. <laughs> Have you ever hugged a tree? <laughs> no. I'm going to take you to hug a tree. On that note, Anita, <laughs> I think we'll finish it there. <laughs> yeah, before, before I kind of go off on a tangent like I haven't already. Oh, oh thank you so oh, much. I've loved it. And I'm so pleased that you felt like you could be open and, and, and tell everyone your story about your miscarriage and that you're learning more about yourself and to look after yourself. Yeah, watch this yeah. space. It's early days yet, but thank you, Frankie. Thanks. This episode of Open Mind, the podcast, was sponsored by very.co.uk.